Tweet Adam at underscore Adam Crowley. Oh no, finish your tweet. It's not your best Just give us a second. There you go. Hashtag it. This is the Adam Crowley Show on 970 ESPN and now on 106.3 FM. Transparency is the number one Viru of the Crowley Show. Because of that, <laughs> just want to let you know that we got Eamon Brennan coming up at, ah, darn, so close, at 620. We had him on earlier in the show. We did. We're going to play him back. He was that good talking about the pit coaching hire. But in the interview, I had a slip of the tongue. Don't know if it's an FCC violation yet. Here's the thing. Let them let him hear it. See if they can pick it up if they haven't heard it yet. So you don't want to play it now? No, I want to pl- I want to play I'd like to I'd like to go through the interview. I mean, clearly we cannot play the isolated sound because we got yelled at for that already. Yeah, yeah that's a I do I need no more suits at that door. I do not need that right now. Um and clearly we don't as a show. So I say it's probably better to just listen intently to this interview and, and see if they'll hear it on their own. Because they didn't say don't play the interview again. They just said don't play the sound bite again. Okay, well, the interview's coming up in 18 minutes. So wait until then, and you'll hear it. Okay. Okay. I mean, should we play it? Play it. If things played out well for him at Pitt, I could see him jumping ship, ship pardon me, whether, oh, for the love of God. Hard T or no hard T? 412-922-2874. Let us know, seriously. Was that a hard T and can get me fired or was that not? I want to know. Obviously, I don't think that it was or else we wouldn't be playing it as much as we did. One more time, Tom, to let the audience know that I don't think this is a hard T. If things played out well for him at Pitt, I could see him jumping ship, ship pardon me, whether, oh, for the love of God. 412-922-2874. Hard T or no, let us know. Jeff Capel's making a good decision, it sounds like. Coming to Pitt's a good decision, which we'll get to in a few moments, and he's hiring, according to some reports, Brandon Knight, former Pitt Panther. How about that? I think that's a fabulous coaching hire if it were to go through. He's going to move over from Rutgers. He knows the lay of the land. He knows the area as well as anybody. And he's viewed by many as an up-and-coming coaching prospect in the NCAA. The perfect scenario would play out like this, I think. Capel has three or four good years at Pitt. Then he leaves after Coach K retires and takes the Duke job. And then after that, you could promote Knight to head coach, where as a Pitt guy, he'd hang out until his time was out. Bang! I've been saying it for months. Pitt did not need to hire a dude who was going to stay here for a long time. Pitt needed to hire the best coach. And I think they did a good job of that with Capel. Whoever it was, though, needed to turn the program around. And if he was going to use the job as a stepping stone, who cares? Leave the program in better shape than when you inherited it. Then after that, it's time to hire the guy who can run with that success. It's what got Pitt to this place in the first spot. Ben Howen made Pitt a national program. Then Jamie Dixon ran with it and hung around for 13 years. Jamie Dixon continued that momentum to become the best coach in the history of Pitt basketball. If Capel were to leave for Duke, that would likely mean that Pitt was in a better place 
than when he took over. Then Knight, a pit guy, would have his hands on a quality ACC program, and he could build off that for years to come. That, to me, is the perfect scenario. That, to me, is why Brandon Knight is a hell of a hire. Because not only do you get the guy who can create an environment where Pitt becomes a great job again, but then you might already have the heir apparent. And an heir apparent who is a Pitt guy. Just the same way that Capel is a Duke guy. It's perfect. It's a great hire if he's able to pull it off, and reports are indicating that he will. By the way, how about this being a win-win situation for Capel? Holy hell, did he strike the mother load here? He did. He was 27-36 in his two years at Oklahoma. Last two years at Oklahoma. I'm just, I'm rattled by the statistics. Rattled by the statistics. Play what I did yesterday, Tom. It looks good on the surface. He checks all the boxes, but here's the thing. Seven games under 500 in his coaching career as a head coach. I meant he was six games under 500 in conference play in the Big 12. Obviously, that's what I meant. And he was nine games under 500 his last two years at Oklahoma. Enough of the stats for a moment, though. We'll get back to that, because now I'm rattled. Jeff Capel's in a no-lose situation. I felt bad for Getzoff when he earned the pre- and post-game duties on the Penguins Radio Network. Not because it's not a great job. It is a great job. In fact, I was actually second in the running for that job. Transparency! He was replacing Bob Grove. It's tough to replace a legend. No matter how good Getzoff was, he was going to hear about how he stacked up against Grover. FYI, Getzoff, he's great. Love the dude. Nice guy. Calls a good hockey game. But that doesn't make the transition any less jarring for fans. And it isn't easy on the new guy. Trust me. When I took over for David, there was some pushback at first. Now the ratings are up 700%, and I'm hitting bonuses and living that good life. It's bitching, baby. But imagine the dude that takes over for Madden when he dies. Or Stan, if he retires. I'm getting in trouble. There's an email right there. That poor chump does not stand a chance. Taking over for a legend is never an easy thing to do. Hell, Kevin Ollie won a damn national championship at UConn, and that guy got ousted. Why? Because he still wasn't Calhoun. But could you imagine taking an easier job than the pit coaching job? You ain't taking over for a hero. You're taking over for a zero. All due respect to Kevin Stallings. Jeff Capel can win one conference game next year, and he'd have done more than Stallings did this year. Pitt fans so badly wanted Stallings gone that Stan Saverin himself could be coaching the team, and they'd think it was an upgrade. I've asked the question, why would anybody want this job? But it's actually pretty simple. It's an ACC job, and you don't need to be successful right away. Sure, building a program from scratch is not easy. And you don't have to be successful right away. But Capital doesn't need this program to go on a meteoric rise. And consider this, Pitt doesn't have the ability to can this guy after a few years. They just did it to Stallings. They can't try to screw Stallings, fire him after two years, and then do the same thing to Capel, can they? That'd be a terrible look. It's something that, like, can't afford to do. So Capel doesn't need to be great early, and he's likely got the keys to the car for more than a few years. That's excellent. And then if he's got any modicum of success, he'll take the Duke head coaching job as soon as Coach K calls it quits. 
Hell, if he turns Pitt into a team that can contend for an NCAA tournament berth in the next few years, he'll be the favorite for the Duke job. So it's a no-lose situation for Capel. You outperform your expectations, and you're going to Duke. You underperform, and they're not going to can you because they can't afford to take that PR hit. If he doesn't succeed at Pitt, he's built in job security based on the previous administration's failure. If he has success, he can take over at his alma mater. No-lose situation. Aaron's up next in Philly. Hello, Aaron. How are you? I'm okay. How you doing? Who's Jeff Kappel? He's the new pit coach. I've, you're the only one in America that pronounces it Kappel. What the hell are they calling him? Jeff Capel. Is that true, Tom? It's 100% accurate. I'm the only one calling him Capel. And this is coming from a Philadelphia guy. This is embarrassing. Is it embarrassing, though? You were calling him Capel earlier. I was. I've been calling him Capel for days. What's the difference, Aaron? What's it matter? Well, you, cause it matters because now you can use the headline that Jeff Capel is capable. Damn it. You nailed it, Aaron. Appreciate the call. Stuff. Peace. 412-922-2874 if you'd like to correct me. I thought he was about to be the guy who was going to flip out about the fact that I've been calling Jeff Capel Capel or Capel Capel, whatever the hell Pitt's new head coach's name is. I thought that guy was going to flip out about it, and I was going to lose my mind. And I kind of wanted to. So I'm going to do it anyhow. If you think it's important how I pronounce the guy's name, it's not. What's important is his resume, which I got 100% correct yesterday. It looks good on the surface. He checks all the boxes, but here's the thing. Seven games under 500 in his coaching career as a head coach. What I meant to say was Jeff Capable was six games under 500 in conference play in the Big 12. I've been nailing this guy. You've been nailing this story all the way around. I crushed it. <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff, man. My takes are good, though. <laughs> I just love how confident you were yesterday. You are like, well, here's the thing, though, guys. Seven games under 500. Ooh, dun, Seven. Dun, dun. It was almost like foreplay. I was building to it. The reveal of his statistics over his coaching career, that was the sex. And you can hear the exact moment where I thought I was about to get it in. It looks good on the surface. He checks all the boxes, but here's the thing. That was it right there. Right here, yeah. Seven games under 500 in his coaching career as a head coach. I couldn't even. I couldn't even have helped myself there. No, nope. I just kept adding layers to it that made me more and more wrong. Uh, yeah, like there's no out. Like you dug that hole so deep, no way in hell you're getting out of that. And what sucks is that I had the information right in front of me. But, dude, it doesn't matter if I pronounce his name right or wrong. People still don't know how to pronounce Troy Polamalu. Hmm. Uh, they just don't. Look, it's Capels de Carnges. Play that song. You never miss a butt. Okay, yeah, I'll play it. I thought Town never missed a butt. Come on, that was a good one. Capels to oranges? Capels to oranges. That was a terrible one. That was pretty bad. I have one, though. Uh, I'm <laughs> workshopping a nickname for him. Uh, how do you guys feel about the big Capicola? That's awful. That's horrible. All right, I'll keep workshopping. Capable. A, Capable's better. No, that's, it's not. That's leading the pack no, right it's now. Not. I Capicola? Mean, I, I, think I, th I think there might be better out there. I, but right now, that's leading the pack, right? Capable? I appreciate that. 
Capable's leading the pack or Tom's terrible? No, the Capicola's leading the pack. Caped Crusader? All right, both of you shut the hell up. (laughs) Both of you shut up and let me flip out on what the guy didn't say but what I thought he was going to say. If I get the guy's name wrong, it matters not. Connor Sherry allowed for people to call him Connor Sherry for two freaking years. It doesn't matter if you mispronounce a guy's name. Mark Madden calls Jason Mackey Mackay, and he's still got the best ratings in town. Okay? It matters not. Okay. Most people call John Steigerwald John Steigerwald, and really, it's pronounced John Jackass. People screw that one up all the time. It doesn't matter if I pronounce the name right. The take's still good. In fact, let me slap some take on top of... The capel thing. He wins the day and he buys some time for Heather Like. I think expectations have to matter. You can't set them too high. You can't set them too low. You don't want your program to be scraping by and not making the NCAA tournament every five years. You don't need that to happen. And you can't also say we need you making it five out of five. You have to realize that there's going to be some middle ground there. And I think Pitt fans need to be taken down a peg because they're setting themselves up to fail and they're setting this guy up to fail. The big Capicola. (laughs) Yeah. It just rolls off the tongue. He was 27 and 36 in his last two years at Oklahoma, trust me. He was six game on six games under 500 in conference play in the Big 12. Oklahoma had made the tournament a dozen straight years under Kelvin Sampson, and then Capel made it in two out of five years. Again, that's not to say he can't be better this time around, but going to the tournament 40% of the time at Oklahoma isn't a good look. His recruiting is said to be great, and I've got a buddy who was a student assistant for Duke basketball under Coach K, who said he'd take a bullet for Coach Capel. He's a dude the players love, but how much of his recruiting success was due to the fact that he was recruiting players to Duke? How much of his recruiting success at Oklahoma was due to an assistant coach giving out impermissible benefits? I don't know the answers to those questions, but here's the bottom line. Set the expectations at an appropriate level. As for today, Heather Light just bought herself some street cred. All my concerns aside, this hire is being universally praised in the basketball community, and more importantly, it's being praised by dudes who love Pitt, like Tom and Tom's dad. Tom was wearing his Pitt script t-shirt yesterday because he was so pumped about the hire. The fan base has a pulse again. They've got hope again. Sweet Caroline. Ba, ba, ba. Stallings didn't inspire confidence when they brought him in. He didn't inspire hope. This guy does both. And if he has some modicum of success, great. If he doesn't, he's better than the last guy. Heather Like won today. Jeff Capicola is in a no-lose situation. All I need now is for fans to understand that if he's not perfect, that's okay. Rome wasn't built in a day. Coming up next, Eamon Brennan from The Athletic talking about the pit coaching hire of Jeff Potroast. And he'll preview... For a couple of minutes, the NCAA tournament. I'll also swear it's the Crowley Show.
Brand tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. Love your show, man, but that was for sure a hard teat. Braden tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. Please don't get fired. You're the best show around. Sean says, nope, you're good. Soft teat. And John tweets, Jesus, Adam, it's a long A on Eamon. So you're telling me it's Eamon? Whatever. We got Eamon Alexander from The Athletic joining me now on the show. Eamon, thanks for joining us. Yeah, happy to do it, man. Eamon, how good of a hire is Jeff Capel for Pitt? I, I think it's I think it's a pretty, like, I mean, look, what I've heard from Pitt fans, I was down there, I guess it was probably a month ago now, or I should say up there. Um, and working on a story about Pitt and how it, how it had fallen this far and sort of where people were with it. Um, and then sort of looking into that and going through the paces of, of uh, the last couple of years in the program, the, like any other fan base, right, the expectations for who was going to not only be available to hire but would agree to come there seemed a little bit out of whack. Um, and as someone who went to Indiana University, I know very well how this stuff works. Uh, and I, I don't, so I don't know what Pitt fans' reaction to that is going to be. But um, I think it is just about as good as, as you could probably hope for. And I would be honestly interested to hear what the local reaction would be because I've been so locked in on the tournament for the past couple of weeks that I haven't really kept up with with where sort of people are on the pit program, how much of an upgrade this would be. I mean, obviously anything would be an upgrade, but, but sort of the degrees of separation there. Um, honestly, I'd be, I'd be not, this is an unconventional approach to a radio uh, interview, but I would honestly love to hear kind of what the feel is there um, in your experience or, or your understanding right now. Yeah, they are all in. Pitt fans are. I'm a West Virginia guy, so uh, I really wanted I wanted to see the program go down in flames, even. I mean, I wanted to see them burn. I think burn. they already did that. They're, they're already dead, man. Yeah, they're like a phoenix now. They're trying to emerge from the ashes here, and I think that today, I, I think they're just going to... They're going to send that guy up to the rafters. I think Jeff Capel is actually just hanging from the rafters at the University of Pittsburgh at the Peterson Event Center because they really believe that this is the guy now to pull them out of the doldrums. And one of the reasons why is the recruiting, Eamon. And I know he did well at Duke, but Duke kind of does well because it's Duke. Uh, Oklahoma is, I think, a better program, an easier program to sell than the University of Pittsburgh. So I'm wondering now if his... Recruiting can now translate to the University of Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, that'll be very interesting. I think that um, there's no question that his uh, recruiting ability was um, a major factor in his his time at Duke. I think if you look at um, sort of the timeline of when he got there and – like the players that started coming and the classes they started having this year and, and next year, especially um, sort of not only competing with, but, but actually in many cases, especially recently beating Kentucky, which used to be unthinkable even two, three, four years ago. Um, that, that is the, the correlation is, is correct there. Like he is a big driver of that recruiting. Um, I think that being like having those skills, and, and however we want to quantify them at a place like Duke is 
you know, it's like having it on steroids, right? Like being able to sell Duke is, with all due respect to Pitt fans, different than being able to sell Pitt or being able to sell even Oklahoma. Um, but, you know, those connections are real and those relationships are real. And uh, it's the ACC. And I think a lot of that still holds. If, if, if you're able to, um, at the very least, be in the picture for um, maybe you won't get the Marvin Bagley's and Wendell Carter's of the world uh, every year or, or whatever, but you can, if you, if you can factor down 10 or 20 or 30 places in the recruiting rankings, that would still put you in, in way better shape on a yearly basis uh, than where the program has been the last couple of years. And, and honestly, Jamie Dixon recruited pretty well, but it sure. was never really his thing. His thing was sort of developing teams over the long haul and having juniors and seniors who were very sort of system oriented guys. So, um, if you can blend that kind of approach, um, which is, you know, maybe sort of classic pit versus new pit, um, I think you can absolutely be successful. But but if people are expecting uh, Marvin Bagley, um, the fourth, to show up next year, like it, it, that's probably not going to happen, at least not right away. Last couple of things with Eamon Brennan about the pit stuff and the uh, and everything going on there with the coaching hire. What is the national perspective on Pitt basketball? And you said you did a story about a month ago about what got Pitt to that point. What, in your opinion, did get Pitt to that point? Well, I think, I mean, the way the handle, the, the, the firing was handled, um, or excuse me, the hiring was handled, I think um, really put Kevin Stallings in a position where even if he had, done particularly well or handled things particularly well or however you want to say it um, still would not have been a fan favorite. Uh, I don't, I, that's, that's probably an understatement. And so to me, it is a, a case of um, sort of classically college basketball type of hire a searching firm, hire someone who you know, who's um, fine and, and, like well-respected but doesn't have anything particularly interesting or exciting and is very sort of low risk or seems low risk at the time and doesn't, uh, doesn't really change um, the trajectory of the program as you understand it. Uh, and, and I think that that's the big um, fault that we see in a lot of coaching hires. And then, you know, I think this past year was, like, like it sort of, you don't really notice how bad a team is until it gets down to when I was working on my story and they're a game or two away from, from going 0 and 18 in the ACC. And I was there during the Virginia game um, and the weekend I was up, and it was just like, this is just sad. Um, and so I think that uh, everyone kind of, you know, it, it wasn't that long ago that we can all remember, uh, even on a national level, how good Pitt was and also how good. Uh, the Pete was, and I think that um, this is probably regarded as more of an aberration, but I do think there is sort of a, at least from what I've heard, sort of a low-level concern that the move to the ACC fundamentally changed the kind of players Pitt was able to attract, and um, Jamie Dixon may do with it for a little while, and um, that, that is sort of a, a bigger systemic thing that, honestly, you know, hiring a guy like Jeff Cable might be your best bet of solving. If he can just recruit nationally um, and, and those sort of, like, nuanced concerns don't come in about recruiting, then um, that might be the best thing you can possibly do. But uh, I think most people, at least on a national level, just talking casually about my story over the last couple of weeks, 
um, during the tournament or whatever, uh, it's kind of a bummer because Pitt was one of those programs that, that was really fun to have be good because of how good the fans were. And I think there's, you know, everyone's probably hoping that, that you know, uh, now Jeff Capel can get some of that back. Last thing here for you on Capel. He was kind of viewed by some as maybe the heir apparent to Coach K. If things played out well for him at Pitt, I could see him jumping ship. Ship, pardon me. Whether, oh, for the love of God, whether it, it was to Duke or anywhere else, would that even be the worst thing? If he was able to turn things around to get Pitt back to some relevance, uh, the next guy would have a far better job that he's jumping into. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, look, the whole uh, heir apparent to Coach K thing is so hard to figure out sure. because. Um, you know, look around the country, Chris Collins at Northwestern, Steve Wojciechowski at, uh, at Marquette. I mean, there are so many Coach K alum. Uh, for a while, it was Tommy Amaker, um, you know, that have gone out on their own and, and taken a job, um, usually at private institutions, uh, to kind of prove themselves or try to prove themselves. Uh, Mike Bray is not someone who I think when he went to Notre Dame was thinking about this, but, but a lot of the guys in the last five to 10 years, I'm almost certainly have been. Um, it's so hard to figure that stuff out. And, and coach K is 71 now or whatever. and doesn't appear to have any desire to retire anytime soon. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I think that that's not a, uh, an impossible scenario. Like it has a non-zero chance of happening, but, um, trying to project out from here at this point, the way Coach K acts and the way he still coaches and, and the talent uh, he's been able to bring in, you know, who knows? He's already got a thousand, you know, a thousand on wins, and it wouldn't surprise me if he coached another four or five years at this point. Eamon Brennan, the athletic, joining me here on the Crowley Show. Has this year's chaotic NCAA tournament been good for the game, in your opinion? Yeah, sure, sure. I mean, I think you want to see good teams. Um, because that, you know, there is that low-lying element of um, people want to see the best talent, particularly NBA fans want to, you know, I, I sometimes find that, that NBA fans will tune in more uh, for the final four than the opening rounds of the tournament. Um, and this is completely anecdotal, but it just seems like, um, you know, if you've got a team like 38 and one Kentucky there the same year that that um, – uh, Tyus Jones, a little before Justice Winslow Duke team is there. And it's like, okay, like, we're going to watch all, you know, seven of the best 20 players in the draft this year or whatever, all, all on the same floor. Um, so you want to have that. And I think you do have that with Villanova and Kansas. Not the same sort of NBA star power, but two really entertaining top seeded teams um, that will have a great sort of main event final four game. And, um, if you want to call it the undercard, is, is sort of the thing that makes the tournament special in Loyola, Chicago. Um, and, and a very good Michigan team that um, was sort of right in the middle of the curve in terms of, I think, Final Four expectations. Not uh, super unlikely, but, you know, not most people's favorites. Had plenty of, of sort of Final Four support, but, but not, a, you know, not at the same level as, as Virginia or Michigan State or Duke. So I think it's a good blend. Like, it is what the tournament is. Um, in a lot of ways, it represents the best things about the tournament, which is, um, or which are, you know, you want the best teams to go try and win a national title. And Villanova 
has been either the best team or the second best team in the country basically all year long. And Kansas is, is not too far behind. Um, and then, you know, you want to see unlikely things happen that you can't see in the NBA playoffs um, or really in, in any other sport because it's a single elimination tournament and the team gets hot. They play really well. They're locked in and they're good, like Loyola Chicago or, or Michigan. Um, and, you know, they're in the final four playing in a football stadium with, you know, whatever, uh, however many thousands of people watch them, although it's, it's in the Alamo Dome this year. So it's slightly different, but uh, the point remains, this is sort of what you want to see. Uh, I think generally in the tournament, um, you don't want it to go too far in either extreme uh, uh, most of the time. And, and I think it's been a really good tournament for that reason. It, it's kind of, this is why we like the tournament. We want to see the good teams. Absolutely. Um, but we, we want to have these stories uh, that go beyond basketball that a lot of people can sort of galvanize around that are interesting, even if you really don't care one way or the other who wins the national title. Hey, Eamon, who wins the national title? Villanova, I think. Um, if Duke had beaten Kansas, if Grayson Allen's shot had gone in, I might not be saying that. In fact, I picked Duke to win it all um, uh, before the tournament started. I, I just think they present different matchups to Villanova uh, than Kansas does. I think Kansas is actually, um, maybe for the first time in Bill Self's tenure, really similar to a team like this Villanova team. And two uh, incredible veteran point guards up front, uh, very flexible sort of one through four guard play um, with guys like Mikal Bridges and, and C who can kind of um, do some stuff in the post and, and go down low a little bit. Uh, one essential center, uh, more or less, uh, in that starting five, and Amari Stillman for Villanova and Yudoka and Azubuke for Kansas. Um, I just think that Villanova is a better version of that. That, that, that's what they've been for years, and they've sort of perfected the formula, at least on offense, this year in a lot of ways. Um, and I don't know that Kansas is, is quite at that elite level with them. And I think, obviously, you know, in terms of expectation, you have to, whoever, you know, sort of wins Kansas and, and Villanova, I think you have to take them over um, whichever team comes out of the other side of the Final Four. And I just think Villanova uh, all year long has has – either been the best best team in the country or depending on how many, uh, you know, 40-point games in a row that Virginia allowed, maybe the second best. But um, right now Villanova is, is the best team in the field, I think, by a, a reasonably fair margin. And it would surprise me if they weren't able to uh, uh, to bring it home, particularly given the way they, they won last weekend, right, not shooting well, turning the ball over against West Virginia. Um, it's still getting through Boston and, and getting here, I think, um, it wouldn't shock me if they had, uh, if that offense came back, and if it does, you know, they could bury just about anybody uh, in a couple minutes and, and, and make it very, very uh, academic in, in a big-time game. Just once, Eamon, I'd like to see West Virginia be on the side of the bracket that doesn't have a number one seed that's lost like three games all season long. I think the last <laughs> three times they got ousted, they were playing Villanova, Gonzaga, and Kentucky, and they had to combine five losses. So fingers crossed and better luck next time. Hey, thanks so much for the time, buddy. Really appreciate it. Happy to do it. Enjoy the Final Four, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. I don't know if we're ever going to talk to him again. First time we ever talked to him. He's telling me we're going to talk soon. It'd be great. I don't know. He liked you. Eamon Brennan from The Athletic. Eamon. Eamon Alexander, you mean. For the love of God. My God, Crowley. I'm slipping. You are. I'm going to get fired by AT&T Sports Network. Coming up next, the hottest take of the day and other crap, it's the Crowley Show.
off tonight, which means I'm not going to lose my damn mind at all the hot takery. They will play tomorrow. You know who else plays tomorrow? Weather permitting. And Butkos. I've said a lot on this show that I will not be watching the Pirates play this year. I don't want to be spending a lot of time talking about the Pittsburgh Pirates because the ownership doesn't give a rip about whether they win or lose games. Why should I? Why should my listeners? That being said, I'm not going to watch the games at home. I'm not going to watch the games at my friend's house. If I watch the game, I'll watch it at a bar. That way, the TV's already on. The ratings would already be being accrued. And then that way, I'm still informed as it relates to the Pittsburgh Pirates. All right? We squared there. So tomorrow, I'll be watching the game at a bar, weather permitting. And I'll give you my thoughts. But if they start sucking right off the bat, if, if I look up and they're 0-7 or if they're 12 and 45, I ain't talking about them at all. It's not worth my time. It's not worth your time. You know, you never have to worry about that with the Penguins. They're always going to be competitive, yet you worry about it anyway. It's time for the hottest take of the day. Day, day, day. Yesterday, I'm scooting along. Driving to my 2009 Kia Rio. And I see to my left a sinner. I see to my left one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen in my entire life. No, I didn't see someone jaywalk. No one was littering. There wasn't a fight that needed to be broken up. I didn't see anybody throwing disparaging comments towards another human being. No, no, no. Nothing like that. But I did see a sinner. Someone who belongs in the deepest bowels of hell. Someone who I think should probably be struck by lightning. It was a car. A Jeep, if you will. Nah, not a Jeep. Jeep people are cool. It was one of them big old gas guzzler cars. And on one side, giant-ass Dallas Cowboys star. The other side, you got the big-ass New York Yankees logo. And then two other logos nestled right there on top of the Yanks. Ironically, on top of the Yanks, two Southern schools, Clemson and North Carolina. This son of a bitch had all their bases covered. Football? Who was 13-3 and two years ago? Oh, the Dallas Cowboys. Who wins championships every other year in baseball? Oh, yeah, the New York Yankees. Who was the defending NCAA football champion going into this year and also made the Final Four? Oh, yeah, that was right. It was Clemson. And in basketball... The team that had gone to the championship in back-to-back years, North Carolina. Yo, you're not a fan. You're an ass. You're a terrible person. And I don't wish ill upon anyone. I don't want bad things to happen to any person that I come in contact with. I'm all about the love, yo. I love human beings. I'm all about equality. It's 2018. Gender don't matter. Skin color don't matter. Creed don't matter. Nothing matters. But if you are a fan, quote-unquote, of those four teams, or any four similar teams, and you slap that on the back of your giant-ass gas-guzzling vehicle, then I hope you drive straight into a ditch. Your life has known no pitfalls. There have been no lows. 
You've not ever, ever, ever been sad as a sports fan. Oh, my Clemson team wasn't all that good this year. He was probably a Gamecocks fan the year prior. Oh, Duke really hadn't been up to snuff lately. Might as well flip on over to North Carolina. You're the worst. That person cheats on their girlfriend. Uh, there's no doubt about it. They get their girlfriend or wife pregnant, and then when they start not looking as great, they jump off the bandwagon. Sorry, wife. You ain't looking so good anymore. Gotta find myself a younger model. The worst kind of person. Belongs in the deepest depths of hell. No respect. In fact, I would have more respect for that person if they were a drug dealer. At least I'd know they were trying to make a decent living. This person, though. Pick a school. Stick with it. Ups and downs. Trials and tribulations. Pick a ball club. Stick with them. Trials and tribulations. Go Indians, by the way. That was the hottest take of the day. 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 And FYI, if you're going to do that, if you're going to be that guy, pick a better football team. I'm surprised he doesn't have an Eagles sticker on the back. You know what? He probably just hasn't had the car fitted for it yet. Get a tough time scraping off the star. The Cowboys don't even count anymore, though, do they? They were 13-3 and a couple of years ago. They've been contenders. They won a Super Bowl in 95, but if you're going to be a frontrunner, at least frontrun better. Again, though, he'll probably take the sticker off any moment now. Woo! Other crap. Ronda Rousey is no longer relevant. She's also a jerk. Here's her taking exception to a question that Mike Golick asked her today on Wingo and Golick or Golick and Wingo or whatever the hell they call that boring show. Let's go back and, and start with when you knew from the, the MMA, when you were done there, when you, when you knew in your mind, I'm not going to fight anymore. I never said that. Ah, so there is a possibility that you could go back in time? There's a possibility that I could go back in time? That's go, your question to me? Go back in time and, and, and fight. Go back in the octagon. I do not have the ability to go back in time, no. no. Would you fight again? I don't know. No. There's nothing that makes me typically cringe more than when somebody is giving a broadcaster the runaround, but... Gullick and Wingo and Greenberg, they've never asked anybody a tough question anyhow, so I don't mind that, but that's not a good look for Ronda Rousey, who is, again, not relevant anymore. Woo! Other crap. Vlad Guerrero Jr. Hit a walk-off home run in Montreal where his daddy used to hit bad pitches out of Olympic Stadium. It got me right in the field. It was weird that they were wearing Toronto Blue Jays uniforms. But my God, that kid looks just like his dad. Except a little fatter and not as good. Woo! Other crap. Lick DeBoe was playing guitar at a dive bar in Orlando. People are slurping it up like a beer at a frat party. I mean, have you ever seen an 80-year-old play guitar before? I have. My grandfather played the guitar all the time up until his passing. It was impressive when he did it. 
So it's not as impressive when I see Dick LeBeau do it. Oh, my God, he can coach football and play guitar? Dick's a great guy, sure. But a lot of people can do that. In fact, I can play the trombone. I'm talented. Woo! Other crap. The angst at the end of today's program has just been superb. This is one of the best other crap segments I've ever done, and I think it's because I was so angry at that jackass for being a frontrunner. I mentioned the Pirates for 30 seconds on today's show. To open this segment, in fact, we haven't previewed the team at all. We did yesterday. I talked to my grandma about it. She's got some takes. I'm still rooting for them, and I still love them. You think they're going to be okay? Yeah, they're going to be okay. How about your boy, Cervelli? Oh, I just love him. I just hope he he doesn't get hurt. He's always getting his knees hurt, and then he's laid up. And that better not happen this year like it did last year. And we're going to have a good team. They're all, they'll all be young and new and everything, but I think that our pitchers are pretty good, these new ones. Trevor Williams, Chad Cool. Yep, they're all good. Glass now? But uh, we didn't win last <laughs> night. Yeah, I think they're going to be okay, uh, Adam. And no matter what I'm rooting for them, they're our Pittsburgh Pirates, and I love them. Woo! Other crap. So she's right. Young pitchers are the key. If Francisco Cervelli stays healthy and the rest of the club stays healthy, I think that they'll be fine. Also, she didn't need words to say it, but she's not a big fan of Tyler Glasnow. Yeah. Not a big fan at all. I brought up Trevor Williams. Brought up Jamison Tyon. She was not having it with that Tyler Glasnow. No, no, no. Not at all. And it's because he's now in the bullpen. Woo! Other crap. It has been 396 days since Pitt basketball has won a conference game. Woo! Other crap. It has been exactly zero days. Since Pitt basketball lost a press conference. Good for them, baby. Way University to go, of Pittsburgh Pitt. is back. Way to go, They're back. Pitt. Sweet Caroline. Let's, go, Let's Pitt. go, Pitt. They got it back, baby. They're going to the top with this Jeff Capel guy. Been a hell of a show today. Who let the dogs out? Damon Alexander. Vinny Communist, Jeff Capel. Oh yeah. And I said, Shh. 